Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Next Level. I'm JVL here with my best friend, Tim Miller, and a very, very dear, dear friend and colleague, Amanda Carpenter, who will have some personal talk and some personal news about Amanda towards the end of the show. I'm not dying. Guys, happy Hunter Biden plea bargain day. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday evening. Show comes out on Wednesday. Hunter Biden, the feds got him. They got him dead to rights and they squeezed him till he pleaded out. As, as the great Fred Thompson said on Law and Order, the plea bargain is the greatest invention in jurisprudence since the guillotine. <laughs> okay. What did you guys make of it? You know, I wonder if Fred these days, a MAGA Fred, an AI MAGA Fred Thompson, I wonder what he would have said about the Hunter plea. I, I'd like to defend his honor. I do not think Fred Thompson would have gone MAGA. I think he would have left politics before he went MAGA. Kind of did leave politics. <laughs> Amanda, you go. I'm sorry. I, 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 I bullied my way into the Yeah, floor. I'll be honest. I've, I'm not fully, like, excited or read into this story. He pled to it. It's over. Fine. Good. The end? Two-tiered system of justice where some people are forced to plead guilty and other people have the feds ask them a dozen times to please give back the classified records that they illegally held on to. And they refuse to, they refuse to either give them back or then plead, plead out and instead force a raid and a criminal indictment. Here's the reason I can't get excited about the Hunter Biden story. Because every time I watch the MAGA media get like so exercised about it, I just want to say to them, you know, Hunter Biden is not President Biden, right? <laughs> Do you know oh, that? Oh, he's part of the Biden crime family. Right. Where's Hunter? They want him to be. Where's right. Hunter? Why isn't he around? I, they, I got used to this. I thought that son in, son-in-laws and daughters were supposed to just hang out with the White Listen, House I doing am, deals. I am all for going after these corrupt kids. I'm for it. Go totally. after Jared. Go after Ivanka. Go Same. after all of them. I mean, here's the other thing. Like, there's so much open corruption happening. It's just gross. Like, of course, you know, they didn't even get into the business deals. Like, go ahead, James Comer. You've been investigating in the House for, like, how long now? And you've come up with absolutely nothing. Yeah. It's the, the open corruption died, that I'm gets afraid me. to say. They had, they had uh, no. this little Link old lady who knew it all. Just happened to die. And no. she just happened to pass away. Otherwise, they would have gone. Oh, they would have had them. Maybe it was pass away, though. But maybe it was more nefarious. Who's to say? So, Tim, I want to I want to set the table here because I'm hoping you're going to give me a righteous rant. I have a rant. Do it. I, I'm happy that I'm actually I'm jealous of Amanda. I wish I could not care about this, but unfortunately, mm. my blood pressure was high today. All right. So here's here's the deal. The assistant U.S. attorney in this case is one David Weiss. He was appointed to his position. He must be a in the cuck. Department of Justice by President Donald J. Trump. President Donald J. Trump said when he announced David Weiss's appointment that David Weiss shared his goal of, quote, making America safe again. Mm. This is a quote from the announcement about Weiss's appointment. Mm. Uh, typically what happens when a new president from a different party takes over, all of the AUSAs are replaced. In this case, the Biden administration retained two assistant U.S. attorneys, one of whom was David Weiss. Why did they retain him? Because he's part because of the Biden crime family? Because he was in the act of investigating Hunter Biden, the president's son. And so Joe Biden, the president, did not want to interfere with the investigation of his own kid, and he let this guy keep going. Good job, Joe. Seems normal. David Weiss wound up getting Hunter to plead. He's had a grand jury in process. The three charges we have are two misdemeanor tax charges because he didn't file and pay taxes when he owed uh, $100,000 for pay two consecutive taxes. years. And then a gun charge. Here's the gun charge. When purchasing a firearm and filling out a federal form, which asked... Are you addicted to any illegal substances? Hunter Biden said no. But in fact, the answer was yes. So he pled That's guilty to lying to the government? He pled guilty. <gasps> what he said, kind of precedent could this set? I, I lied wonder. to the government. And what he was then is, is diverted into a diversion program to help him uh, reclaim his good habits. And since he was a nonviolent offender who didn't go and shoot 19 people at a shopping mall with his gun that he lied on the form to get. He just happened to lie on the form. Hey, uh, 
All of this to say. I just have a quick aside question, yeah, just a really yeah. quick aside, and then I'll get to your question. It just, it's just it's more of a personal matter. May, or may, may or may not be personal. But listening to the Hunter Biden gun thing, so, so like when I go into the doctor's office or when someone like me goes in the doctor's office and they say, you know, how many cigarettes have you had in the last mm-hmm. year? And I say none. And they say, how many alcohol drinks do you have a month? And I'm like, you know, three to they six. They write you down for like 20. <laughs> that, does, does, that, does, that, does that open me up to any crimes no, like this? Or is it just because it was a gun? No, no. Only okay. if you're buying an AR-15 and you lie about okay. being <laughs> addicted to weed. Are you worried about lying right. to your doctors now? <laughs> I, just wanted to, I just wanted to flag that. I was hearing about, I was hearing the Hunter thing and it was bringing up some. There is an issue, I think, because there's been people, pediatricians asking if there's guns in the household. And there was a controversy over mm, that in no some No guns states in the household. Because they're trying to figure out if there's house hazards. That might be something else, but I don't think so. So, Tim, I've, having just set the table for listeners... Please, sir, do your thing. Just sit back, listen. Well, uh, you missed one. You missed one thing, JVL. Yeah. Um, in addition to uh, the the late tax payments on two years and and the not admitting that he was addicted to crack when he bought the gun, um, he also did take thirty thousand in improper deductions. Ooh, so tough stuff. Um, did he not have the receipts for those? <laughs> Uh, I guess he didn't. He took him as a business <laughs> expense. I know he tried to write off for one. It was kind of like in Seinfeld where he's like, you just write it off, We're just going to write it off, Jerry. You know that laptop just, I dropped off with this sketch doctor? Yeah. I think it was stolen. <laughs> I just I wrote it off. I used 80% for business, 20% for <laughs> 20% personal. 20% for nudes. <laughs> 20% for nudes. Okay. Actually, we looked, at the, we looked at the laptop and it was 90% nudes. Intellectual property. 10%, 10% questionable they business deals. The IRS always gets you. Look, Hunter, Hunter is a problem, uh, is a guy with problems, is shady. I, I don't like it. I have, I have a, a beloved reader who emails me and says that we are, I, I, I should care more about this. Because if this was Trump's kids, I would be mad. And, and I say to that beloved reader, I am mad. I, I wish that we had a president who did not have any family members who grifted off of the president's name. I really wish we did. Uh, we don't. Uh, we have a current president whose son has used Biden's name inappropriately in several, including in foreign business deals. That's bad. But like, I mean, it's nothing even on the scale of what the Trump kids do. I, I mean, it's it's not even in the same universe. I, you know, and we're talking about, you know, a couple milli here and there. I, I, MBS sent billions to, to Jared Kushner. And MBS is, and many foreign governments were actively paying the sitting president, not just his family, the sitting president through his hotels and whatnot. So anyway, putting that aside, this case, the thing that has gotten me, you won't. Joe Perdicone has a great rundown from the Hill. If you haven't got the Press Pass newsletter, go read it. All the crazy magas, the Marjorie Taylor Greens are saying all this stuff you'd think that they would say. Oh, this is a sweetheart deal. This is a rat. This is the Biden, the Biden, you know, the Biden crime family intervened in this and gave them this sweetheart deal. And, and they, you know, it's it's only Biden. If this happened to you, MAGA Americans, like, oh, you would have gotten the book thrown at you. I don't know what the book is exactly on, on 30,000. You would have had the art of the deal thrown at you. Who would have known? But here's the thing. It isn't just them. Tim Scott, the good Republican, the, the, the you know, I, I don't want to insult any of our friends, the, the never Trump conservative center right Republican of choice. Tim Scott is tweeting today about how it's a two tiered system of justice and MAGA Americans wouldn't have been treated this way. Ben Shapiro, the thinking man's pundit, you know, the, not one of those crazy MAGAs, just somebody who employs crazy MAGAs like Candace Owens. Um, like he's the reasonable one is out there saying today that, that he got this sweetheart deal. It's just like, what in the fuck are you people talking about? Like, like they just, they have, they have one program. They have no interest in being good faith. But no matter what happened in this Hunter case, they were going to sing from the same damn hymn book to just run cover for Donald Trump. They might pretend they like don't like Donald Trump. They might say they prefer Ron DeSantis. But all of this is a big old kayfabe in it to run cover for Donald Trump and his criminality. The Hunter Biden plea deal. I'm not a legal expert, but seems like a pretty good deal. Do you want to know one anecdote that shows me why it's a good deal? Here's another settlement I'd like to bring up to you. Here's one that happened oh, recently oh, with I the know federal what you're government. Doing. I know what you're doing. There's a, a $2 million settlement 
that was that was made. A, 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 the agreement filed Friday asked the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Florida, mm-hmm. hint, hint, to enter a judgment that would resolve or has dis- have dismissed all of the claims the federal government made regarding 1.7 million in unpaid income taxes. Ooh, that's more they than 100,000. Penalties isn't it? and interest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1.7 million more, quite a bit more. They had to pay penalties and interest for this. They had to pay back taxes. There was no probation. They did not have mm. to plead guilty. The the defendants in this case, uh, Hillary in, in Clinton. Let me guess. It was Chelsea justice, Clinton and Hillary Clinton. No, it was Roger and not Nydia, Nydia Stone. What? I don't know if that was his actual wife or one of the swingers. Oh my goodness, Roger Stone. So Ron DeSantis's Florida forgave a million dollars in taxes for Roger Stone. Is that, is that, that what you're feds? saying? No, federal feds. court. Well, feds. 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 Same thing. So, yeah. uh, that was Delaware. Hunter was in Delaware. Roger was doing it in Florida. And this was, was a Biden-appointed, soft-on-crime Democrat prosecutor who let him off, and that's why. After Stone got a pardon. How many times has Roger Stone gotten, gotten <gasps> All sweetheart the time. deals? Yeah, he's a part of— Oh, is, oh, wait, oh, wait. I know what's going to happen. Biden is going to pardon his son, right? That That's what comes next, right? Like, that's how this works? <laughs> right. Just or like not. Trump pardoned all these guys. So this asshole in this two-tiered system of justice where the MAGAs are being targeted, Roger Stone has been pardoned by one president and then just given a get-out-of-jail-free card by the feds on a, on a tax bill that was 20x Hunter Biden's tax bill. Hunter got a worse deal than that. Hunter had to deal with a Trump-appointed justice. Prosecutor. Uh, a prosecutor, thank you, that Biden did not interfere with. That Biden did not get involved with. In fact, Donald Trump tried to bleed. He bleeded out a picture of Biden with with somebody from the Department of Justice to prove they were colluding. The picture was from 2013, when he was vice <laughs> president, and the person was not at the Department of Justice. Like like these guys have fucking nothing. Like Hunter, if anything, I, mean, I guess you wouldn't say he got a raw deal, but Hunter got a fair deal, right? They treated him. It's, it wouldn't be surprising if they put their thumb on the scale a little bit because they, they didn't want to have the image of, you know, having treated him better than other folks. But for his part, you got to say he played ball. Yes, thank Donald you. Donald Trump played ball and admitted to some things yes. and pled guilty. We wouldn't this be going through all the court stuff. Like, or if you he have just to be returned all to, the documents. Yeah, right? we get when, better deals yeah. when you cooperate generally. If you agree to right. admit some guilt, they treat you a little better. Like, this isn't a big secret. There is a two-tiered system of justice between people who respond when the <laughs> who federal government asks for subpoenas. On some level. Yeah, that's the two-tiered system between those who hid their documents and those who no, cut a deal who listen and to work with the feds. And people who listen to Tom Fitton. Another big difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's, there's a two-tiered legal system counsel, there as well. So here's, here's what the book would have entailed. Hunter would have been on the hook for one year for each count of the tax stuff and up to 10 years of for the firearms charge. Really? That's, that, that is the full weight of the entire Dude, thing. How many other people could get jail on that? Look, I don't know. From what I have read up quick on this, unlike medical school, I could have gone to law school. <laughs> I was admitted to many law schools and chose not to go. Uh, but my understanding is it is incredibly rare for nonviolent offenders to be charged with this gun charge. This is one of those. I'm sorry, just really yeah. quick. You took the LSAT? Fuck yeah, I crushed the LSAT, dude. You you took the LSAT. Yeah. You studied for no, it. I didn't study for, for it. it. I literally walked in and okay. just took it cold. For fun. Well, you fucking show off. Okay, never mind. Let's move. Let's keep moving. <laughs> 174. Uh, so as, as somebody who got a Boom. 174 on the LSAT without studying, what your assessment is, you know, generally people who are first-time offenders who, who are addicted to crack and buy a gun and don't admit that they're addicted to crack don't go to jail for 10 years? Uh, yes. Yes, that, that, is, that is my impression. But here's the thing. If they had tried Hunter Biden and nailed him for the full 12-year bit and he had gone to San Quentin or the Supermax or hell, Alcatraz. if they reopened Alcatraz for him, Swim out I'd have been fine with that. No, you wouldn't. That would have been fine by me. I have no no particular rooting interest in Hunter Biden. What I want is a justice system. I would not have been fine by that. What I want is a justice system that functions in a reasonably fair and predictable way. And here we have a prosecutor who had been involved in an active prosecution against a high-profile suspect, and he was allowed to do it, and he has made his plea deal. And you know what? He doesn't get the final say. 
Uh, David Weiss doesn't have the final say on what happens. The plea deal has to go to the judge. And if this is such a sweetheart deal that it betrays the interests of justice, then the judge will reject it. That is a thing which happens every once in a while. And so this, like, what is the remedy? This is what I want to say to, to all these, the, the, the anti-anti types out there, right? Who are like, well, they, you know, there are, there are li- libraries where uh, trans drag queens read stories. Like, okay, great. What is the remedy? What do you want to do with that, right? And if you don't like the plea ben deal. Ben Shapiro said he wants Republicans only to prosecute Republicans. Oh, Oh, wait, okay. that happened. That well, yeah. we had Republican Republicans prosecuting, prosecuting a Democrat. Democrat. Is that okay, or is that not yeah, okay? No, not good enough for him. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. That was his proposed remedy, but keep going. But hold on. The, the proposed remedy, what we're really getting to is about prosecuting Trump. And so over the past week, you've had all these Republicans come out and say, that indictment, pretty bad. Trump, pretty much admitting to it, doesn't deny he did it. Okay, we all pretty much agree on this. If the indictment is true and what he said in interviews is pretty much, yeah, I did it. What do you think the punishment should be? Not about Hunter Biden. He put, okay, you say you read the indictment. What should the punishment be? And just like open-ended question, because if they're going to say nothing because the president, like, let's get to that point, because we do not know how to punish a president. That's been the thing since day one with Trump. We do not know how, we, we have no remedy. We're in completely uncharted territory. We're just sort of leaving it to the legal system. But now we have an indictment. It's right there. He doesn't deny it. He's on Fox News saying, hmm. Pretty much. Okay. Now what? I would just like, what, Amanda, this what is, is it this, going to be? I want be? to throw in there. This is exactly right. And, and, and the Beltway insiders that listen to us should have that question ready for Mike Pence yep. and these assholes the next time. Because Mike Pence has done a million interviews on this. Nobody does ask him that. Like, what, what, what should his punishment be? I think, I think Mike Pence's answer is nothing. But no. What is the punishment? Right. And that's what this is all about. Like, it just, I, I mean, it, there, there would be, you know, some podcast jockeys and some Fox people that no matter whether Trump was dead or alive, if it's a Democratic president, are, are going to try to make some big stink about how, you know, it's never fair. They're putting on their team jersey and, and Hunter Biden, you know, unless Hunter Biden gets the death penalty, it's not going to be fair for some of these people. Right. Like, yeah. like, on, like no matter, no matter and then what. And you got to okay. go back and do killing Hillary the, retroactively the, because. Right. <laughs> but the other group. Right, the, the the people that are ostensibly that we keep being told, you know, are are the you know modicum of reason, you know, that are the good faith actors that are, that are not in the MAGA cult, like to a person, the Tim Scotts and the Ben Shapiro's of the world are continuing to just propagate this insane, like alternate universe where Joe Biden. It is like <laughs> it, it has like his thumb on the scale is, is both dementia ridden and has his thumb on Merrick Garden Marlin's neck and is telling him, you better get that plea deal. You know, you better prosecute Trump when he's not doing any of that. And it's extremely obvious to anybody that is watching that he's not doing any of that. To a fault, and and it, the this is in each case, it's either been a grand jury or an individual prosecutor who has made these assessments. And maybe the Bragg case was weak, and you can say that was politicized because it's Bragg. I didn't agree with that, but like at least on that one, you know, that is a political actor. In every other case, like it, this is not like a conspiracy of Democratic elites. We, we saw the pictures, the boxes in the bathroom, yeah. in the ballroom. Like it's just like, getting back to the points made earlier. The open stuff that's happening that is so flipping obvious. And we have to sit around and Brett Bear like sits there. Like, people say Brett Bear filleted him, took Trump down. No, he absolutely did not. He asked these questions, which is a basic journalistic function. Trump gave him ridiculous answers, ridiculous answers. Like, oh, I was too busy I, doing what? I, like, I need Brett Bear to sit there and be like, do I look like an idiot? Why should I believe you? I mean, you can be nice to him, but like, how do you expect me to believe this as a sentient person? Rather than like, okay, thanks, sir. Let's move on to the next question. You know, does this hurt your electability? This is an outstanding transition. We had on Tuesday night, part two of the Trump Brett Bear sit down. I I did not watch it. I'm sorry. Uh, so I'm here to learn from you. I'm an audience surrogate. Amanda, tell me what you saw. Oh, 
I did take some notes. Um, there was like probably 10 minutes on Trump going off on DeSantis, um, a lot on the COVID policy, um, essentially accusing DeSantis of being disloyal, shutting down the state too much. And there was some back and forth on vaccines where Trump kind of tried to take credit for it, but say that he played nice because he didn't shut down the states and he gave states the power to do this and blah, blah, blah. It was just like kind of messy. Um, what else? A lot of it was Trump. There's talk about his nonsensical drug policy in which he now wants to execute drug dealers, but at the same time mm. take credit for the First Step Act. <laughs> Trump Bear asked a fairly obvious question where he said, you know, this woman, lovely woman, Alice Johnson, that you freed, these other drug dealers you freed, you're now saying they should be executed. And Trump is kind of like, uh, I haven't thought about that. And like, truly, he hadn't. And Again, Brett Baer this has to be was like, unbelievable. what do you mean you haven't thought this through? Like, you're thinking about <laughs> executing people. This is where, like, I can't. Like, Brett, this is not serious journalism yeah. because you have to act like a real person. He is talking to the world like we're stupid. And everyone goes along with it. The death penalty bit was so good, though. Can we just pause on this for one second and then you can go back to your reports? It was as if... Tim Russert was there and, and like, you know, and, and he, <laughs> he had this just really tape. great little nugget that he had pulled deep, you know, out that the politician is like, you got me. And and it was just like the most obvious thing where Brett Bear is like, here's the setup. So you say you want to kill drug dealers. And Trump's like, oh, yes, we got to kill drug dealers. I talked to Chairman Xi and, and President <laughs> Xi great. and President Xi says that's how they stopped the very opium strong. wars there. And everyone was very, drugged very out strong. there. And and then something happened and, and then drugs, drug dealing became illegal there. And, and no longer to be able to do drugs in China. And now it's the death penalty and we got to do true. it We're very strong. There are no drugs anywhere then, in China. Yeah, and then Brett Baer's like, okay, well, but you did the First Step Act that let some drug dealers out, including, and, and Trump's like, oh, yes, this was very strong. Alice Johnson, yeah, we, we got her. her out of there, and she barely did anything. She, just, she dealt some marijuana, and it wasn't a big deal. She should have been in jail. And then Brett's like, well, but she, you, you just said you'd kill drug dealers, and, and then you said that this lady you let out sold marijuana. And Trump, like, literally pauses for a second. It's like, you really got yeah, me there, Brett. Like, 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 well, it's not retroactive. It's going forward. If we had this policy, she wouldn't have done <laughs> it. That's literally what he says. If we had this policy, she wouldn't have dealt the drugs. Well, you know, you're yeah. damn anyway, right. She it's just like, boy, this 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 guy is a mental giant. That that Brett Bear, that the tough questioning Brett Bear was able to corner him with this with this uh, you know, little mind game. Anyway, I'm no, sorry, I said, I just, we point, just had to take a moment on that. Someone that doesn't think through their policy above executing people by like one step forward. You do not deserve to be taken seriously in an interview. You'd be like, you know what? I think yeah. you need to take some time to think this through before you start thinking about killing people. Go away. You're not You're no. not coming here. But anyway, but okay. The whole point of this was to soften up Trump, to make sure that he would participate in the debate that Fox is promoting relentlessly that will happen in August, right? And so that was the last 10 minutes of the interview, talking about like, will you debate? And Trump is so straightforward about this. It's like, you're not listening to what he's saying. Trump Flat out told Brett Bear, why would I go on a debate stage and let Ada Hutchinson, he doesn't say his name right, take shots at me? He has no polling. Trump says, I'm ahead by 50 points. Why would I stand there and let these people take shots at me? It's like, that is correct. Duh. And then Brett Bear is like, well, don't you think you've been treated very fairly? It's like, you're not listening to what he's saying. Like, I laugh so hard. And Trump kind of says, well, this is kind of a puff piece, Brett. It's like, totally called him out. It's like, yes, this is nothing but a sugar sweet Jeez. piece of bait to get you there and then they wrap it up and just by promoing the future debate and it's like he just told you he's not going to come if it's not good for him and this is the whole thing about the cnn town hall it's like they're just trying to bait him to come to the debates and get them ratings and nobody learned anything from 2016 or they did and they don't care because they put their ratings and their paychecks ahead of absolutely everything the chumminess at the end, Amanda, I think you really so hit gross. the nail on the head. It was gross. I mean, Brett did it a couple times, like, challenge him. It wasn't a total, it wasn't a Sean Hannity interview. But, like, the chumminess. <laughs> Thank you, Brett the Bear, for not yeah, instructing right. him Bear, how to answer tougher the tougher than Hannity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, but the, he was laughing at Trump a couple a, t a couple times, and, and you knew that Trump didn't didn't think it was too tough of an interview because he didn't give Brett Bear the Mika treatment with his insults, if you, if you know mm -hmm. what I mean. Um, oh, no, the last question was actually, how is Melania handling all this? 
Yeah, literally, that's the last question. How's Melania doing? Wouldn't you say your biggest fault, President Trump, is that you care too much? <laughs> One thing I, I feel I need to mention, because I was mad at myself after the Nichols, uh, after me and Tom did that uh, recap uh, on YouTube over the Monday night. I like that, by the way. Uh, the first that was part. Cool. Part one. Thank you. Yeah, no, it was fun. Subscribe to our YouTube page if you haven't already. We we did like 35 minutes and I forgot. I looked at my notes after and I did not mention that Trump explicitly suggested that the feds are planting classified documents in his in his boxes, you know, along with his golf cleats and his pants. They tapped his and wires. He's like, I don't, Why wouldn't they do that too? Well, don't leave them in the toilet. Right. And it's just like, this is the kind of thing where I, I just think it's always important to step back because if literally any other politician through time immemorial had ever said that the feds are planting classified information in my, do- in, in my files with no evidence, I, that is a massive front page New York Times scandal. Like That is just not something that politicians have, have did. And there were times when the FBI did plant things, you know, back in the bad old days. But in modern times, like you can't even imagine, like, I, I don't know, Bob Dole being like, the feds are planning stuff on me. I mean, like, this shit is crazy. Or Al Gore. Like, this stuff is insane. It's like total lunacy. It is it is undermining our institutions. It is an absurd lie. And yet even me, with my TBS, spent 35 minutes going back over the thing, and I don't mention it because he's so full of shit. And this is why these things are an exercise in futility. Yep. And that like that's the point that I'm getting to, right? It's like there, there is no way, there is actually no way, and there's some best practices, as you've written in a column, JVL. Uh, like, there are things you can do better than others, like not having a cheering section, for example. Great job, Chris ding, ding, ding. Uh But, um, you know, they're best practices. But really, at the end of the day, there's it, it's very, I think, maybe impossible, if not that, extremely challenging to deal with someone that is just a river of shit. Every time they open their mouth is a lie and uh, is a false accusation. And, and so, like, what, you know, how, how, are, how are people supposed to process this? And, and I think that's what happens with, his, with those voters. Here's the problem. There is no institution in American journalism which would be comfortable being as adversarial as you need to be in order to responsibly give Trump access to your airwaves. Yeah. MSNBC I mean, John would Swan not be. is like the only one that Yeah, that, that's about it, right? And nobody else, NPR, MSNBC, right. they, they do not have the stomach to do what you would have to do because it's awfully uncomfortable, yeah. right? And it's, man, it's bad. Well, that's why I like, I will say, I like what you did last night, Tim, because I think that is a better way for people to parse the information. A couple of Much. people watch it. Like, you discuss it. No one needs to watch Trump live anymore. He's lost the privilege. I wish people would quit giving him live coverage. They're going to. But, like, the way to view these events, I think, is through responsible parties now and not the direct access for people who abuse that live privilege so flagrantly. Yeah. No, we look, we make Tim stick his hand into a jar. And if he pulls out the black egg, then he has to watch Trump for us. Yeah. That's like fear factor. Um, you know, I've, I've got to eat the tarantula. Um, I have one other note. Yeah, and, and I'm about to I'm about to like quasi compliment Trump. Uh, compliment's the wrong word, but but I, I think this is important to understand. It's important to understand the nature of the enemy. Yeah. Okay. And, and and I think that sometimes we can get into a place where his material is is such word salad, and like certain times he's out there just blabbering nonsense, and and there are specific policy issues where he knows nothing. Uh, like he has these half-baked ideas, like the death penalty that he hasn't thought through one step. Like in in these senses, he is an idiot, and like he is deranged in a lot of ways. But he has certain skills, and the the DeSantis attack is something that like just as a practitioner of the craft of politics, I look back and I'm like, I wish some of my candidates were as good at retaining the minutia of their little petty the petty fights and the intercandidate disputes as trumpets. Oh, God. Like Trump might not be able to tell you three facts about, you know, all the regulatory reforms that he brags about. Like he always what says, is the nuclear regulation. Triad. Right. Yeah. He doesn't know what the nuclear triad, right. 
He knew the polling difference between Ron DeSanctis and Adam Putnam the day that they met each other, uh, you know, the, the day that they competed against each other. He knew the week by week DeSantis versus Gillum breakdown. He knew the day that Ron DeSantis shut down the beaches and the, right, like he, the oppo book stuff, he learns. So, so he, he has other mental issues. But but he is sharp on that, and and a lot, and you know, I have candidates like Jeb, and I think Joe Biden is like this, who, who sometimes think that like that stuff isn't important. I think they rightly think that stuff is important, so they don't retain it, right? And, and I worry about this in a debate setting. But no, I think they think it's unseemly. They think it's unseemly to bring out. Yeah. It's unseemly to bring out all the time. But another point where Trump was like refreshingly honest. Brett Baer kept asking him, like, well, Ron DeSantis, like, you know, why are you beating up on him so much? You're spending more time attacking him than you spent in the 2022 midterm elections. Like, why? You know, kind of intimating people don't like that. Why are you attacking the Republican team? And Trump just looks at him and he's like, because he's number two. I'm way ahead of everybody, but he's number two. Like, if he drops down to number three or four, I'll shut up about him and attack who's number two again. Like, he, <laughs> and I think voters that want to win really like that. Because Trump is essentially saying, you know, it's not that personal. He's just the one that threatens me, so I'm going to go after him. Duh. And he made it seem as common sense as, you know, the sky is blue. Two questions before we move off of this. Uh, first off, did you guys think that Trump was effective when going after Trump? So, you, Tim, you say it's all, you know, he's got it all at his fingertips. Do you think it was delivered in an effective way? Do you think it'll move any Fox viewers? Going after DeSantis? Yeah, the way in which he's doing it. I'm not sure about that uh, because he was kind of on the defensive in these areas. I think it was in a different space where he was going off in areas where he has strength versus DeSantis. He was like responding to the things that Brett was asking. So I'm not sure that he like, gained any ground with DeSantis viewers. Uh, uh, and and uh, But I will say this. He is prepared mm-hmm. for that, for, for, for taking incoming for DeSantis. If he does end up having to be on the stage... Like it is, DeSantis is going to have to put on his big boy wellies, you know, like, and I just don't know if he's capable of it. And so I was, I was, yeah, I was impressed in that sense. Impressed is not the right word, but you know what I mean? I I thought that that part, the parrying back about the obvious attacks that DeSantis will put on him. He he is like, it's the one thing that he has actually done research on, right? Like he knows, he knows what he's going to say on all that stuff. Just as a general statement, this is a thing that I can't quite figure and and it just might be the paradox that is why nobody can beat him in a primary a Republican primary, which I hope is wrong. But I, I watched the interview and it's just like for all the reasons we've all already said, to Amanda's point about just how nap, you know, how authentic he is, he just says you what you know, he's like, Yeah, I'm only attacking because he's in second. But anytime he's under attack, I, I try to imagine myself as my MAGA uncle, and I'm like, I think they like it. I think they like it. Like, like the more the harder bread is, you know, in certain ways, the more Trump's like, oh yeah, this establishment stooge is coming for me, and, and and so I just think as a total performance, you know, I think that with swing voters, horrible. I judge him as a deranged lunatic, but I don't know. I I, I bet if and we have if we had one of Sarah's focus groups sit down there and watch it with me, my guess is that that most people it helped it would have helped him with that crowd the MAGA well also uh, he's on the attack right he's always attacking Ron DeSantis and Ron DeSantis kind of hide behind his pack that takes these bank shots at Trump and it's weak people like to see people like debate they like the fight they like the conflict and if DeSantis doesn't fight the ball goes to Trump automatic point Amanda do you think there is a polling number at which the anti-anti establishment that has glommed and circled on to DeSantis, at which point they abandon ship and start looking for somebody else to be viable? Or do you think they are pot committed to him no matter what? You think just right back to Trump? Yeah. They want to win. I mean, like it does go back to who is going to get me over the finish line. And that was the reason for the big DeSantis bubble. It happened when Trump was threatened, not because they had actually soured on Trump, not because they're actually going to turn on Trump forever. I mean, even Chris Christie, you are all happy about what he's doing now, didn't do this when he would have risked his own political position. Now this is safe right. to do, right? So it's Trump or DeSantis at this point. I would just say I, I would I, I think DeSantis will continue to be strong because his favorability continues to be strong despite Trump's attacks. But if for whatever reason DeSantis tanked, I think it's a split group. 
I think some go back to Trump. And then now there's like a new wave of people who've crossed the Rubicon, you know, that Charlie's written about in the newsletter, the Never Agains, right? The Bill Bars and the Chris Christie's and like that, the Coke. They go to Doug Burgum. They'll go for Doug. Yeah, you know, they'll try to find somebody else. There'll be a category listen, of people listen, that would try to find someone else. But I listen to Charlie's interview. I hate to keep going back to Chris Christie, but he is sort of emblematic of the moment. And Charlie asked him, you know, what are you going to do if you don't get the nomination? You said you won't support Trump. And he's kind of like, well, I'll just leave the top blank. Good. I mean, sideline is fine. You vote for Biden or sideline. You know like, the, that's blank the win. is better than writing in Edmund Burke. I agree. And I will just say that there's other people. That's what I'm saying. There's this dividing line. Like Tim Scott answers that question, I'm for I'm for Trump, right? right. And, and so I just, I think that within that group, you know, um, of of the people that are challenging now, there are the DeSanta, you know, I think that there just are are two categories that I think would would fissure. So uh, I want to use this to transition to RFK Jr. Um, I think people don't fully appreciate how well he's doing in Democratic polls. If we were to draw an analogy between Trump and DeSantis and then Biden and RFK Jr., DeSantis is only running a little bit ahead of RFK Jr. <laughs> um, like, if, you know, Who he's ahead of him. DeSantis to RFK Jr. vote <laughs> if DeSantis doesn't. He's it. a little bit ahead of him. But uh, so where Trump is polling at like 54, Biden's polling at 61. DeSantis is do- there are certain states where DeSantis is popping and, and RFK Jr. is nothing. But in the national polls. Nothing. In the national polls where RFK Jr. is sitting between 12 and 20. And, you know, so Biden's lead over him is roughly 40 points. And uh, Trump's lead over DeSantis is roughly like 31 points, 32 points. And and for everybody else in the Republican race, like Tim Scott wishes that he could be as close to Trump as RFK Jr. is to Joe Biden. Oh Think God. about that for a minute. Okay. Yeah, if he ever did that, it'd be the high watermark it of would his campaign. Be, right, the greatest. So – I wrote about this today. I am sort of, I think that the RFK Jr. is sort of a curious thing. And then, Amanda, you and I started talking about it. And you were like, <laughs> I felt very stupid after writing my thing. So I was like, oh, right. No, Amanda's, why did I feel like I had made this discovery? So this is the move, right? This is what we now have happening in the Democratic Party once a cycle. Yeah, I don't know what I told you that I thought was brilliant. But I'll tell you what I have, I have on my mind. He's not a Democrat. He's a plant. And so the play is to try to run in the Democratic primary. He won't get in the ballot. Maybe he wins. Maybe he wins Iowa. Who knows? He gets something. He gets some kind of standing. He doesn't win. He withdraws from the race and throws his support behind Trump. Yeah. That's the one or two percent. This is what Tulsi was. The whole point is to gain nut job Democrats or Republicans who are in love with with Camelot and say it was rigged against me. They wouldn't let me compete. Therefore... We're going to get behind Trump, who is going to restore integrity in our election. Like, God knows what he's going to say. And then he'll take the anti-vax vote that Santa's had, give it to Trump. The end. There's probably a QAnon prophecy Amanda's fulfillment just getting aspect. to the nuts of things. You realize yeah. this is a podcast, you know, we're trying to fill an hour here. You're just like giving TikTok answers. I know, I could just go like five minutes. You're just like, done. boom. <laughs> You're just like, boom. Sorry, just... This is the nuts of it. I concur with Amanda. I, I, there was an interesting news story, just as a brief aside, since we're on a podcast and I need to fill air because Amanda's answers are so short and good. Um, did you see that RFK thought that uh, poppers caused AIDS? You know about poppers? I don't Anybody? Know. What's I, a popper? Are those those things you throw on the ground that make a noise at 4th of July? By the way, <laughs> no. my son said he threw the, a bunch of those outside the step and forgot they were there. Guess who stepped on them going out for a run at like 6 a.m.? Oh, no. I about no. I thought uh, I was dead. I thought I was shot. <laughs> is it, what did you do to that child? We had a father, We had a parenting podcast. Was recently. it the boy or the girl? Did you, Which one was it? He did. He forgot. Why did he even ask if it was the girl? Of course it was the boy. Uh, it wasn't uh, what is a popper? Poppers? Do you have a guess, JVL? Is it drugs? I, I, honestly, I was going to ask. Um, I was going to guess the same it's, thing it's as, not, as Amanda. It's not really drugs. It's like a. Uh, it's popular in gay sex. It's like a. You know, it's a little snifter. It's like I a snifter. I have no idea. I guess where, I would say. What? a snifter. You sniff something before yeah, you. Yeah, it's just like do stuff. Yeah, it's like during sex. It just kind of like adds to the experience. Do you do you drink Come it? On, I'm just going to leave it there. You do not drink it. it. Do you why is it only for gay people? Do you do you smell it? I don't think it, it is you, only for gay people. It? I just think I, I think it's huffing. Huff. It's like huffing. Is it legal? It, yeah, it's like huffing. 
It is legal. It's, it's sold over the counter, and it's like a huffing <laughs> kind shot? of uh, thing. So is, RF, <laughs> is RFK Jr. explaining to voters what poppers are? I'm he not, rec- I'm not recommending Click it. Click up here and get your popper. <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying it is, it is an over-the-counter. Um, but you know, sponsorship opportunities It's an illegal to narcotic. But it, because it's popular in the gay community, I, why does RFK know about it? I don't know. I guess, you know, he probably has a lot of metropolitan friends. And so he just threw that out there as a theory for AIDS. I, like, there are some issues with that. I, I guess there's a correlation causation yeah, yeah, yeah. issue about there, frogs. I think. I didn't know. Was that the frog thing? Yeah, well, the same. And then he also he also was reiterating the, the Alex Jones thing that they were doing tests. They were doing tests on the frogs. And the government was making the frogs gay. And, and and RFK was saying that those same tests were kind of part of the reason so many kids are trans now. Is that we had, were they giving the frogs poppers? I bet those are the people uh, planning no. documents. <laughs> I think two separate <laughs> okay. theories. Okay. Two separate Sorry. theories. Um, but the poppers theory, I, I just I think there's some obvious holes. But Africa, I think, would be a big one. I mean, a lot of a lot of AIDS in Africa. I'm not I'm not sure how popular poppers are are you know in sub-Saharan Africa, but. Anywho, in case you were wondering, in case you were a listener who was wondering, is this possible? Could it really be the poppers? I, I don't. There's some holes in the theory. Um, so that's RFK. He's 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 out there. Um, I think that Amanda's point, uh, which is more relevant to to the political matter at hand, and your uh, and your newsletter, JVL, like the key insight is that he will be supporting the Republican nominee. He's not a Democrat. He's out there advancing literal Alex Jones conspiracy theories. There is not an Alex Jones lane in the Democratic primary. Um, and I, I think the no, there question is. there is a link. There are still voters for the Democratic Party to lose. This is what I was trying to hammer home on this. Like if Democrats think that they have bled off all of the Obama to Trump voters that they were going to bleed off. I, I believe that that is mistaken, that there are still more of those people to be bled off. Yeah, well, I agree with that. And I looked at the number and I think a lot of them are, are um, voters of color, but there are also still white working class voters out there. People the thing that always bugs me is when when libs are like. We need everyone to vote. I'm like, do you realize the number one group of demographic group of people that don't vote is non-college white men? So I don't. Maybe we need everyone to vote. Maybe maybe we don't. Anyway, (laughs) uh, I I was looking at the stats. David Frum had a good had a good thread about about RFK that I'd recommend people look at. But and he was making the opposite point of this, which is like. Voters love vaccines, which is true. Voters do love vaccines. Like the anti-vax vote is not a majority, not even close to majority position. It's a huge minority position. But on the graph that he uh, that he posted, I was interested to see that there were seven percent of Democrats that were anti-vax. And there is your so so your Kennedy vote is basically people that are just express that think he's John Kennedy. People that are expressing unhappiness with Joe Biden, but are going to come back around. But the concerning group is that seven yeah. percent, right? A lot can, bigger I, can, than Jill can you Stein. Lose from from that group, uh, and 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 I think that is you know what I worry about. The other just little fun parlor game, JBL, that's worth mentioning on this, which you said, and I'm curious your answer today, which is if we pulled RFK in the na- that national Republican primary field, where would you? Where do you think he'd he'd be? Third, definitely third. Wow. And I honestly, I think with a, I think he'd be very very close to DeSantis. I think he'd be at like 15, 17%. Amanda, while you just take that in, I want to hear your opinion. While you take that in, I'm going to give you one other piece of anecdata. Go ahead. When I tweeted this out earlier, a gentleman follower from New Hampshire replied and they said, I have seen two in New Hampshire, not one, two Trump signs, Trump 2024 signs, where people wrote in RFK underneath it as the ticket. Uh, So that's just a report from the field. Why wouldn't he be? A running mate. He'd be a great pick. <laughs> I mean, for Trump, Trump. Kennedy. Right? It's like I, I mean, got just a the Democrat. branding on it. You can you can see Trump, Trump who is Kennedy. obsessed with branding, just loving the idea of Trump in a larger font over the name Kennedy. Right? I've conquered America's premier political <laughs> dynasty. Uh, all right, Amanda, give me your number. Where, oh my god! Where I mean, my head wants Kennedy. to say three percent, but I'm puking. <laughs> like, I I guess it's bad. I don't know. I'd have to. More than Nikki and Tim Scott put together, correct? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. The question is, is he in Vivek territory or is he in DeSantis territory? That's Closer the to DeSantis. He's ahead of, Probably yeah. between. He's ahead of all the other people. That yeah. is wild. 100%. I know. Well, why don't, we, why don't we put him on the Republican ballot then in the primary? Oh, if only we could. <laughs> 
All right, Amanda, you have some personal news to share with the class. I do. I'm training for the GFK 50. That's not it, but that is true. Um, the 50? So oh my gosh, you're going right to ultras. Yeah, I joined Yikes. a group. Yeah, I have, it's insane. It's happening. It's I'm happening. lucky to just make it one time around it's the track. It's going to be awesome. Um, but also, I am leaving the bulwark to take a job in the communications shop at Protect Democracy, which is an awesome, awesome group that's been doing really great, innovative legal activism, stuff on the tech front. Um, you know, I'll be talking all about it. But I don't, I just want you guys to know, I don't feel like I'm leaving because this is all in the same space. And I've had such a good time here. I hope I'll be back. I hope I can do more projects with you guys. Um, so I just, I don't really feel like I'm going anywhere, <laughs> but I am getting a new job. So that's that. So when Amanda told me, I was instantly uh, shell-shocked and sad. And then I asked, where are you going? And when she said protect democracy, I went instantly to happy because I know a bunch of people over there and I love them. They're all good people. The group is amazing. It's going to be, they're going to be blessed to have you. And I think you're going to love it over there. And, uh, and also you know, you're not disappearing into some private corporation where you have to become anonymous. You can still come and hang with us all the time. I hope. Yeah, I think so. it's so. the best of all worlds. Yeah. I think. Tim? I love Protect Democracy. I have three exit interview questions for you. What was, like, uh, was that it, though? Like, you're, because for me, like, the idea of going back into comms where it's like, you know, I'm selling toilet paper or whatever is soul crushing. <laughs> don't and sell so, like, paper. for you, is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? No, I'm yeah, not going to yeah, go yeah. to Clorox mm -hmm. and... And whatever, be the VP of comms. Um, I would, you know, um, uh, like what I, I just was that part of it. Like I, I assume, right? Because we haven't talked about this. I, I also like protect democracy, but I haven't asked you. What yeah, was I mean, it I guess got you excited. I had about always, it? and I talked with Sarah about this like a year and a half ago. Like, kind of, you know, she's asking, "What do you want to do eventually?" And I always kind of had in the back of my mind, I'd like to do comms work again somewhere. I mean, my time with in the cruise shop, like my career on that front kind of got cut short in an abrupt way. Like I was having a great time in the cruise office. The only reason I didn't stay down there longer is that they wanted everybody to move down to Texas to work at the Texas headquarters. And I didn't want to sit in the Senate shop. I had two kids under two, didn't make the move, ended up going to CNN doing that whole crazy roller coaster, which was great. You know, and I thought I would stay just doing media stuff, media stuff. But then in the end of 2021, I got the offer to renew my contract at CNN and I kind of just decided I had kind of maximized all my opportunities on that front for what they were asking in terms of what I could do and other things I couldn't do. And I just kind of like had a come to Jesus moment. Like, is this what I want to be doing five years from now? Like, keep going into the green room, keep doing this thing. Um, and then you guys are doing all kinds of great stuff at Bulwarks. So I was like, okay, I'll double down on that. But always in the back of my mind, I was like, I feel like I have unfinished communications work. Um, I love writing, but I do love working with a team to make message and you know make points and do all that kind of stuff too. So like I'm just super blessed because I've been able to be with good people no matter where I go. I feel like in this, you know, pro-democracy state through this really really hard time and this was just a really unique fit. I wasn't looking for it. I actually was looking on job boards. Um I wasn't poached. Um I was looking on job boards for a friend of mine that was looking for a job and I saw this one and I was like Ugh. This group does all the things I like. It's elections, it's investigations, it's protecting, you know, democracy. Clearly, it's in the name. They're doing cool stuff with, you know, tech in terms of like making sure databases are secure. Like just lots of neat stuff and lots of lawyers who are pushing the envelope and representing you know, people who need representation for free, like the January 6th committee witnesses, like those poor election workers in Georgia. Like it's just, and every time I look in the news and be like, oh, that's a really good fight, they were in the middle of it. And so... It's just one of those things. All right. I have two more exit interviews, a hard one and a fun one. Here's the hard one. You mentioned Ted yep. Cruz. Okay. I'm curious. Like, this was, I was so excited when you came, right? This is always our shtick. I, I, you were on the Ted Cruz side, and I was always like on the Huntsman side. And I'm just wondering, so now we have this distance of however many years it's been. It feels like a million. And I'm just wondering, like, what do you think now, like, differently about than you thought then? And, like, what do you think the same about that you thought as, as back then? Well, I mean, the main things I've changed my mind about have to do, I mean, mainly with the, I will say, you know, I was always very proud of my work in the cruise shop. I, we had great people. I liked working with their, you know, some people, you know, even though we're, they may not be speaking to me, I still think kindly of them, even if we don't speak anymore of that time there. And I really felt strongly about that. 
probably until January 6th. I understood why Cruz supported Trump, you know, got to represent Texans and all that. But really the breaking point, and I, you know, I didn't write anything about Cruz until after January 6th. And the breaking point really were the people that turned in November and December of 2020 that were going along with the election, people who I didn't think ever would. And, you know, I got a lot of private emails that were bad you know, from people I worked with. And it's like, you know, there's there's just no going back from this. And watching him go down to the floor and essentially lay the predicate where people then mob the floor, right? Like if Ted Cruz decided not to object, they may not have come that day. It's the same way I feel about Mike Pence. If Mike Pence had said, there's nothing I can do in December, it might not have happened. And so I just, I feel really sick about that. And a number of us, you know, we're like, how did we not see this? How did we not see it? And it's just like, it still makes me sick today. It's like, I did, it wasn't there. Something changed. And there's no going back from that. So that, yay. Okay, so this is happy talk now. And what was your favorite thing about the bull, that you did at the Bulwark? Not about the rest of us. What was your favorite thing that you did? If people want to go back and be like, Amanda Bulwark time, I'm going to pull back out something you wrote or um, a podcast you did. I mean, I would just say like. Friendship you made. I mean, just the daily of just being in the fight together. I mean, obviously, I really felt like I, you know, not to keep going back to January 6th, but like you guys let me, I would, well, I would say in the summer going into the election, really digging into the conspiracy stuff, how this is going to play out. And I mean, the number one thing is, I think people think I get like assigned stuff to write. You guys let me write whatever I wanted. I mean, really, I'd make a pitch, I'd write it. And I think people, who I talked to outside this have a hard time believing that, which I kind of find insulting because I think like I didn't come up with this on my no, own. Um, but that's the thing I am most proud of and happy about is that everyone trusted each other to write what you think, say what you think, and go for it. And it was cool. And it will be cool. And it still is cool. I'm going to miss you. Oh, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You're going to have to come to all our Monday Zoom meetings anyway, so we can see you. you got to stay in the Slack, too. Can't have you leave Slack. Oh, really? Uh, oh, I thought you guys right, were going to so, disappear me on Friday. No, we're going to save you. Please leave Slack for your own, <laughs> for your own good. <laughs> all right, guys, good show, long show. Amanda, we we love you so much and are so happy for you and, uh, and grateful for building this thing with us. Uh, Come in on Sunday. We got a really good Sunday show. Tim and I sat down with Reed Hoffman, founder of LinkedIn, and we talked a lot about AI and some spicy stuff about Elon Musk, too. It's a it's a really good, Not really poppers. smart show. Uh, Which I Googled, and I know what they are now. I understand it. While you guys were oh talking, I, I was I learning that. about things. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> hey, hit subscribe. Give us five stars. We've just gone over 1,000 reviews on Apple Podcasts. I'd like to get to 2,000 pretty quickly. Let's get on that, guys. And uh, we will see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.